Well, welcome to The Lyle Shelton Show, episode number 30, coming to you from The Good Source. What you've just heard were the radical voices of a handful of extremists in South Australia campaigning for the right to kill unborn babies all the way up until birth. Sadly, they got most of what they wanted in the South Australian Parliament last week. What you didn't hear were the voices of unborn babies whose lives our society deems disposable. You didn't hear the voices of mothers and fathers who later regretted making what they came to see as an ill-informed choice to kill their unborn baby. And you certainly, at least in that protest, didn't hear from the victims of coerced abortions like Jaya Taki. Have a listen. I was coerced into an abortion uh, through emotional and psychological blackmail by my former NRL playing boyfriend. Now, the good news of the South Australian abortion to birth bill is that Jayatakis of this world actually were heard, and we'll hear about that in just a moment. But uh, in Queensland and Victoria and New South Wales, when similar abortion to birth laws were put forward over recent years, uh, the Jayatakis were not listened to, and it's quite okay for a woman to be coerced to kill her unborn baby. And as a related aside, the Queensland Labor government is moving to criminalise coercive behaviour in the wake of the awful murder of Hannah Clark and her three children one year ago by a coercive husband. It will soon be illegal in Queensland for an abusive partner to control what a woman wears, but Labor here in Queensland refused amendments to its abortion to birth laws to criminalise a man for coercing a woman to kill her baby. Now, while abortion is an unspeakable tragedy, some positive gains, as I said before, were made by the South Australian pro-life community through last week's parliamentary debate. Recognising human rights for the unborn and real choices for their mothers is a game of inches, but I believe the tide is slowly turning. Now, joining me now is one of the organisers of the recent Adelaide March for Life, and, and they had 5,000 voices, um, who were also largely ignored, but as I say, some important gains were made. And so joining me is Christopher Brohe of the Australian Christian Lobby. Christopher, thanks for joining me. Tell the audience what happened last week in the Parliament and what were some of the important wins uh, that were made in spite of uh, the, the loss of, of, of the bill? So thanks, Lyle, and good to be here. And hi, everybody. So we had a marathon session in Parliament. Um, Parliament sat till about 10 on Tuesday, till about 1.30 on Wednesday into Thursday morning, and then finally the debate finished at about 3 o'clock, 2.30 on, actually, on Friday morning. Um, so the bill was passed, but there were some sig significant changes that were made. So... The first cab off the rank was that the attorney wanted a, a term that would allow uh, abortion to birth if it was medically appropriate. And she scrapped that on her own volition because she saw that there was a resistance in the house and she brought in a threefold test, which is very broad, but it, it was a change. And, and that was where the mother's life was in danger or one of multiple births where uh, there was serious risk of injury to the woman or her mental, physical or mental health, and a third one, um, which I just can't, can't quite remember. 
Um, well, Christopher, just on that, um, this issue of abortion to birth, it sounds like that is starting to cut through and you actually got some political traction uh, where, where the pro-life movement was unable to convince Queensland, uh, New South Wales and Victorian parliamentarians to pull short of abortion to birth. You've actually rung some concessions. So, so that has actually cut through. That, well, that's right. So that cut through and then we had a unique provision enacted which was uh, uh, moved by a uh, senior Labor MP, Stephen Mulligan. What he did was take the RANSCOG, the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. They have a, a, a guidelines when late-term abortion should occur. And there are things like, um, things like uh, where a fetus is going to be uh, adversely affected in, in a multiple birth, where there are serious fetal anomalies, um, where there's, for example, if the person has been denied agency to continue a pregnancy by violence, etc. Now, those things, they're very broad, and we're not making too much of that, but what they do show is that this is a serious issue that has to be seriously considered, and there isn't open slather for the doctors to uh, perform late-term abortions. And that symbolically was a significant win. The third aspect of that is that the attorney said, it's in Hansard, that if there was a 35-week gestation uh, situation and the mum had mental health problems, that viability would trump the mum's mental health problems. Now, that's not in law, and but that's in Hansard. And so... Um, we want to get to the other concessions, but um, this issue of late-term abortion, abortion to birth, which the other states essentially allow virtually no questions asked. I mean, there's two doctors uh, after a certain gestational period, but it's it really just a, a rubber stamp. You guys have actually got recognition now in law that there's a problem with abortion to birth when you know, there's not, uh, you know, a serious threat to the life of the mother or the unborn baby. Yep. Yeah, that's a significant achievement. And, and what, what, what what's the, was the reaction of the pro-abortion lobby to the fact that they couldn't get abortion all the way to birth? Well, in fact, they've got it, but they've, they've got this... Well, well, I should, should have said no questions asked. They wanted yeah. it, no questions asked. Yeah. You've actually, you know, put some, you know, okay, it's symbolism, um, and some, but, but it isn't the open slather, which is what they wanted and got in the other states. Yeah. Well, they're very angry. They're very angry with us. Uh, I think I'm public enemy number one in, in their stakes. Um, they published pictures of me taken in the house, uh, and they said, oh, these people giving advice to these politicians, they're not doctors, et cetera, et cetera. Well, not to take photographs in a, in a parliament. Uh, what's that about? Yeah, so we've, I've made a formal complaint to the speaker and the speaker has, has advised me that that's against the rules and it's being investigated as a matter of priority. So they're very angry. So, so that's on the late term. So there's about four other really important concessions that, that were won last week in, in what was still a terrible defeat for the pro-life movement. But as I said, it's, it's a game of inches in clawing this back. And what, what were the other significant um, gains that you made? So the, there was banning sex selection abortion. 
Well done. Now, now we couldn't even stop that in New South Wales. Um, the, the Berejiklian government wouldn't even ban sex selection abortion. So, so that's a, and, and certainly the Queenslanders wouldn't. And then every other state, you can kill a unborn baby just because it's a girl. And sadly, there's some cultures and religions that will do that. That's documented. So, that's really significant, Christopher. Well done. The second thing was the New South Wales provision, which says that the duty of care to a baby born alive as a result of termination is the same as in any other situation. So yep. that was a good concession. So, two, so in two states of Australia now, if a baby is born alive as a result of a botched abortion, that baby must be given medical care, not just left to die, which is the current practice. Well, it's it's not that clear because the question is the duty of care. And there, there are complicated situations about what's the state of the infant, etc. But it's there recognised. The humanity of the this baby who's been born as a result of a termination is recognised. That's the important thing. Uh, and then it's up to us to make that work in practice. Mm. Um, well, people should realise too that you know there, there are hundreds of documented cases of babies being born alive and left to die after abortion. So I just want our audience to be aware that, you know, what, you've achieved is not just some theoretic that's not a symbolic gesture that that's actually something that is real and will make a real difference potentially and simultaneously with that on wednesday in federal parliament george christensen introduced uh, the exposure draft of his born alive bill which is very very important right. and, and, and just after i speak to you christopher george is uh, coming on the show so um <laughs> this is a really important pro-life edition of the lyle shelton show so um well i'll just say go big this, this is progress progress is being made you know we, yeah. we often get despairing and, and you and i have been around the pro-life movement <laughs> for a long time what what we are seeing unfold uh, last week and now this week are probably the biggest steps forward in the pro-life movement that I've seen um, in, in my involvement. I'm, I'm sure you'd say the same. And then the, the bigger, one of the biggest actual changes, which is, seems small but it's real, is the requirement to provide information about uh, available counselling right at the get-go of a person seeking a termination. Now, the other states have, uh, New South Wales has something about provision of counselling if, if asked, but in South Australia now, if you come after this bill becomes law, if you want an abortion, you'll get a piece of paper saying these are the counselling facilities available to you and they, if the attorney is true to a word, they'll include things like pregnancy support and adoption, which uh, now we have to hold the attorney to that. She said that in Hansard. Um, so th that's a very important uh, uh, step because... So breaking the monopoly of the abortion industry on the provision of information to women when it comes to pregnancy decisions. Yeah, yeah. The next issue is uh, an improved conscientious objection uh, provision mm -hmm. which gives doctors a chance to have some conversation with the person rather than having to immediately refer them if they have a conscientious objection. And now that's and important because in all the other states, uh, if a doctor doesn't want to uh, be involved in abortion, they're, they're actually forced to. They're actually forced to participate by referring uh, a, a woman to a doctor who will uh, kill her unborn baby. But so you're saying that you've achieved a provision in law that doesn't require a doctor to do that? No, not to refer. They have to provide if there are some sort of information, like a piece of paper saying... This is where right. you can get information. Okay. So they still have to, you know, is potentially compromise their ethics, but not 
not in the same full-on way that you have to in the other yeah. states by, by referring. So, as I said, this is, a, this is a game of inches and these are important inches <laughs> you've achieved. Yeah, and the last one was that the Solstra is the only jurisdiction that keeps stats. That's done by regulation at the moment, but now it's put into the Act. So there, there'll be, have to be yearly reporting uh, and That's Parliament is required within 12 days to produce that to the Parliament So, uh, or the Minister. So some incremental gains. And so yeah. what we're saying to our people is we're sad, but we're joyful as well because... The work has has got some. We've achieved something. You've achieved a lot there, Christopher. And you know, it may not seem like a lot to you know people who who like all of us want to see abortion consigned to the dustbin of history, and and women and mothers are given proper choices and proper care. Uh, but this has been such a hard-fought battle over decades, and and the other side have, have just not given an inch for the last. 50 years essentially so you know suddenly we're seeing um a whole bunch of dominoes falling okay it's 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 the ratchet principle um they're small but these are uh, very very big concessions by comparison with what we've got over the last few decades which is precisely zero yep yep and once what these provisions are incrementally recognizing is the humanity of the unborn child Exactly. The other side, that's why they're angry, I suppose, because the, all of these incremental um, concessions that you've achieved go to the heart of the issue, and that is we're dealing with a, a human life. Yeah, yeah. And somebody sent me this, Lyle, which I'd just like to, to quote. Um, mm. says, these changes might seem small, but because of them, some lives will exist which would not otherwise otherwise have existed parents and grandparents will be parents and grandparents which would not otherwise have happened mm -hmm. and a whole generation can ensue which would otherwise have not have been there and so that's uh, a supporter sent me that uh, as an email today that really encouraged me because if we save one or two lives that's massive that is Absolutely. massive yeah christopher this is um really heartwarming i hope um my audience is as, is as warmed in their hearts as I am just talking to you now. Just um, in, in the little bit of time we've got left, just tell us about, um, you know, this just didn't happen by accident. Yourself, and, and I know there was a coalition, there was a team, and, uh, you know, I've got you on today because I, I know you, but just tell us about the teamwork that went in over the last couple of years to get us to this point. So we worked together in a coalition with the pro-life groups for the last two years. And that was significant because, as somebody said, uh, a politician said to me, um, historically the pro-life groups end up fighting each other. Uh, and we didn't do that. We kept it together. Uh, a movement spawned uh, out of this called Love Adelaide, um, uh, which, uh, run by uh, Jody Picard and a group of others. And they ran the walk. They were the ones who were responsible for the walk. And that was a tremendous amount of work and energy uh, to get that going. And that created a real buzz. Now, so we kept the groups together or we stayed together. Uh, and we had this significant event. It's never happened well, for years and years and years in Adelaide. We haven't had these numbers. Um, we nearly didn't get permission from the health department, but 
we had a meeting with Senator Antic and myself and Labad-led people. Yeah, and Senator yeah. Alex Antic, the uh, Liberal Party senator from South Australia in, in the federal yeah. parliament, who, who defied his state colleagues to help you guys, uh, as I understand it. He did a magnificent job. But also what it's done is going forward now, there's a, a lot of anger against the Liberal Party because in this debate, uniquely in Australia, the leader of the opposition voted against the late-term proposals. So the, the, the Labor Party leader of the opposition voted... In, against uh, the late-term abortion proposals. Wow, wow. That is and amazing. Uh, two, of the, amazing. two of the key speakers in the whole debate were Tom Kutzentonis and Stephen Mulligan. It was Stephen Mulligan who moved that, that um, criteria amendment. And get this, the only woman who voted against the whole bill was Andrea Michaels' Labour from Enfield. That wow. was hugely wow. courageous of her. That, that's it's incredible, Chris. Look, as a Queenslander, I watched how Jackie Trad, the former Deputy Premier for Labour, bludgeoned her colleagues into voting for the abortion to birth bill and certainly there were no concessions they gave no concessions here and yet in south australia you've actually got labor people helping lead the charge to get the concessions from a, a liberal-led bill essentially it was a liberal party-led initiative to get this up so really the the roles were reversed here it's, it's extraordinary it's going to cause a lot of people to reevaluate um, their support of the liberal party unfortunately and i say that as a supporter of the liberal party well, I spoke to um, to a fellow from the country, uh, a very strong Liberal Party area and he, today, and he said people here are saying there's no way they're going to vote Liberal. Wow. Um, wow. So, um, and I'm sure that as a result of this in some of the country areas, you'll get conservative independents running. Uh, three Liberals in very marginal seats after um, voted for late-term abortion, uh, despite their huge amount of their constituency not wanting them to do that. Mm -hmm. And so we will keep reminding them, uh, their constituents, uh, ACL can't support any candidates, but we, will, we can remind people how they voted, and we yep. will do that up to the next election. Yep, and that's fair enough. This is a democracy, and parliamentarians need to be accountable for their actions, particularly on such a horrendous piece of legislation like this. For what it's worth, obviously, these days in, in my uh, current uh, life and uh, activism, I'm encouraging people to stick with the Liberal Party and the, the Liberal National Party uh, in spite of their bad behaviour in a state like South Australia. Uh, up here in Queensland, the party is, is very much pro-life and um, has, has stood strongly, apart from three of their state parliamentarians. But my encouragement would be, and I don't expect you to comment on this, Christopher, because I understand ACL's position very well, but uh, I would hope that people would get behind Senator Alex Antich, the federal Liberal senator who defied his state colleagues. And I saw some media reporting that um, Nicole Flint, uh, federal Liberal member of the House of Representatives, also had a bit of a, a tiff, if the media reports are to be believed. Um, with her state colleagues. So there's certainly some strong pushback in the South Australian Liberals and my encouragement would be not to give up uh, on them to get, you know, use this as an opportunity to get involved in the party. And, um, you know, this is how it's been done in Queensland. Pro-life people got involved in the party and moved the motions at state conventions, which convinced the party to be pro-life. And I'm sure that could be done in South Australia with a bit of effort and a bit of organisation. I don't expect you to comment on that, Christopher, but uh, appreciate 
that ACL is going to keep reminding people of what was done and hold them accountable. Yep. And uh, the only thing I would say is we encourage people to join both parties because we need pro-lifers in the Labor Party. We, we do. And it looks like South Australia, you know, there, there, there's an openness towards the pro-life movement, which I know there's not uh, in in the other divisions of the Labor Party. It's, it's just absolute hostility, unfortunately. Christopher, um, our time is is up, but uh, I, I really want to thank you for taking the time tonight out of your busy schedule to to talk to us and to give us, you know, that news. What you've just told us, I mean, I've been searching for this information in the mainstream media. It's just not there. I know you're going to put some uh, detail up on the ACL's blog, acl.org.au. But uh, thank you so much for walking us through the detail and for the incredible work that you and the pro-life movement in South Australia have done. You are heroes. I don't say that lightly. And uh, I rejoice uh, with uh, the achievements that have been done. This is the beginning of the end for uh, the abortion industry and for the big lie uh, that has caused so much hurt and pain uh, of women and, and, of course, death of unborn babies. So congratulations, Christopher, on the enormous work and, and thanks for being part of the show tonight. Thanks, Lara. Well, joining me now is the federal member for Dawson, Basin Mackay, George Christensen MP, good friend. He's joining us via telephone from Parliament House in Canberra. George, thanks for being with the Lyle Shelton Show tonight. Thanks very much, Lyle. It's great to be on your show. Well, I really appreciate it, George. And you're coming um, straight after Christopher Brohe from the Australian Christian Lobby telling us about the South Australian uh, abortion bill that passed last week. And, and of course, that was tragic. Uh, abortion has been decriminalised there, but some significant concessions. And uh, I look at this in terms of some progress is being made uh, in, in a very grim area of public policy. And uh, we've just heard about that from Christopher. But then hot on the heels of that, you're introducing a bill into the federal parliament that would, in fact, provide uh, recognition of the humanity of an unborn baby that survives a botched abortion. Tell us about this bill that you've uh, put on the table. Well, as you said, it's the Human Rights Children Born Alive Protection Bill. Now, it hasn't been introduced into the federal parliament yet. All I've done is I've had it drafted. Now, uh, what does it do uh, or, and how is it that uh, the issue of abortion, which most people say is a state issue, how is it that I can put it into the federal parliament? So what I've done is that the federal parliament has the constitutional power of external affairs. Yeah. And one thing that has been tested before is the fact that we sign up to these international treaties. Now, we sign up to the International Convention on the Rights of a Child. And in that International Convention on the Rights of a Child, I think it's Article 6 of that convention, it states uh, that uh, every child shall have the right to life. And it goes on to say that state parties that sign up to this convention um, must do everything within their power to provide and to sustain the life of a child. It actually also goes on, and I think in Article 24, if I'm remembering correctly, it says words to the effect of that, uh, that no child shall be discriminated against for the purposes of the provision of health services in a range of matters, including birth, so the, the, the method of birth. So when you look at those things, we're going to say that... Um, what is going on in a lot of public hospitals around the nation and private clinics is actually 
illegal. It's, it's in breach of our international well, commitments. Well, let's just back this up a bit, George, because you and I are familiar with this because we've followed the pro-life movement for many years. But what in, what in essence you're talking about is, is babies who have survived an abortion procedure yes. and then uh, are then not rendered any medical care. Now, I'm sure a lot of our viewers will be thinking, well, does that, does that actually really happen? But uh, oh, yeah. we, we, we know it does. Uh, and, and you and I, you know, both know Nick Goyran from Western Australia, Western Australian Upper House member of the Liberal Party, and Dr. Mark Robinson from the Queensland Parliament. They have both documented cases of um, babies born alive and left to die. In the case of Mark Robinson here in Queensland, he's had the health minister admit to over 200 cases That's over right. a number of years. And uh, you, you've done some further work through the parliamentary library which validates that and has found even more examples of this happening. So uh, the figures that you're talking about that uh, Mark Robinson MP found uh, was between 2005 and 2015, right. 204 babies were born alive as a result of botched abortions in the state of Queensland. And I'm not sure any of them were afforded life-saving medical care. And the Parliamentary Library done some digging for me, they found um, a range of different stats like this, but it's very, very difficult to get your hands on this information uh, because it's not adequately recorded. So the numbers that we're getting are actually probably understated. In some yep. states, we can't even find, you know, any sort of anything that resembles any sort of relevant data yep. on this. But in Victoria, in 2016, we know... Um, 33 out of 310 babies that were aborted after 20 week after 20 weeks gestation were actually born alive. Mm. Um, and again, nothing to say that there was any life-saving medical care that was provided to those children. Um, and uh, you know, in fact, it also says that uh, uh, they were all recorded as neonatal deaths, actually not even aborted babies. So the data is very, very unclear. But I wanted to say one thing that we do know, Lyle, is that uh, in Queensland um, we have Queensland Health that issue clinical guidelines for what they call the medical termination of pregnancy. And in those guidelines, um, you can download it off the Queensland Health website. Um, I can literally tell you the section, the table, the page number, page 23 of the guidelines, uh, table 22 under section 5.4.3 says this, if a live birth occurs, do not provide life-sustaining treatment, for example, gastric tubes, IV lines, oxygen therapy, document date and time end of life occurs. That, so it's a clear guidance, a state government guidance. Says, do not provide. Do not provide. medical care. practitioners. Yeah. Do not, do, do, do not let this child live. That, that's, uh, that's, that's basically terrible. what they're saying. So now, and that's in breach of our international commitments. It quite clearly is. Was that in the information you released last week, George? I, I read through this. I didn't yeah, see. Yeah, it was. Okay, I must admit it. What, what I did see was the Commonwealth guidelines, which was very similar to. No, that, that was the, that was oh, the government guidelines, actually. Okay, uh, okay uh, I mistook uh, that for the Commonwealth. Uh, the Commonwealth has no such guidelines around this uh, because, you know, all of this is done on a state right. basis. But, okay. um, yeah. you know, that's just shocking. Okay, that, so what uh, I was reading there was the Queensland um, guidelines. Indeed. Okay, so yeah. that, that was my mistake. But, but it's shocking as it is, and I think you also showed that um, South Australia uh, also has some chilling um, advice uh, 
to do with uh, babies in this sort of situation, which I think was unearthed during the South Australian uh, abortion debate, uh, something to do with just Indeed. wrapping the baby in a blanket and covering That's, it until it uh, dies. Pretty much what their what their view was. I mean, up until now, and you know, abortion's now been liberalised in South Australia, but um, with the caveat now that they're actually putting this protection that I'm talking about yeah. in place in South Australia. Sadly, it took the liberalisation of uh, abortion laws for that to happen. But you're right. Before that, um, to quote to quote from. Uh, an answer that was provided to an MP during this sort of whole abortion debate. What's the policy in regards to uh, a child born alive during a late-term abortion in South Australia? And the answer was, the baby is wrapped in a blanket and the mother is given the opportunity to hold the baby as it dies. How how Um, do we call ourselves a civil society when we know this is happening? And look, you know, you and I both know that Nick Iran has, has tried for years. He's tried to get the coroner involved in Western Australia, uh, tried to get that the government interested to, to, to investigate this properly. He just gets stonewalled. Mark Robinson gets similar treatment here in Queensland. Um, and so it's, it's high time that there was some action. And um, I think people yeah. will be heartened to see what you're doing, George. Um, what sort of reaction have you had from your colleagues since you went public with this uh, late last week? Well, look, I got a response back from the health minister because I did flag this to the prime minister and health minister back in December that I was going to do this. Uh, he sent through, you know, some information to me, which was pretty straight down the line. It just said that um, you may be able to find more data at a, you know, at a particular institute that the government fund on, on sort of neonatal deaths. Uh, and he did say that, look, you know, any bill that we would consider would have to. Um, have the ruler run over it from the uh, Solicitor General and get the appropriate sort of legal advice. So they didn't say yes, didn't say no, um, sort of a straight straight bat response. So um, I've sent them another letter, uh, you know, the same day I got their response from the December letter, and it's it's pretty more pointed a letter that I've sent the Prime Minister, the Health Minister, the Deputy Prime Minister and the Attorney General. It asked them to pick up this private member's bill uh, to make it a government bill, uh, or at the very least, to actually allow it go f- allow it to go forward for a vote as a private member's bill, even if it's just a conscience vote, mm. um, because uh, this just can't go on. We are, as I say, in breach of our international obligations, and what my bill will do, Lyle, is actually provide financial penalties to medical practitioners that um, that do not provide the medical assistance to save a child's life, uh, and it probably opens them up also to deregistration as a medical practitioner in Australia. And I think that's the least that can be done. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've um, handled this very cleverly um, in that you have referenced these international human rights treaties like the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, which which are all um, full of grandiose, you know, words about how we, you know, support the right to life and and that this should be upheld by member states, yet, of course, is routinely ignored, but it's there in black and white, and Australia is a signatory to these conventions. 
and and the beauty of that, Lyle, is the left all the time pulls on these international treaties to make us do things. Well, I think it's about time that we started fighting fire with fire. Uh, This is clearly what we've signed up to. I agree with this international convention. And so um, let's use it to get change. That's my view. And and look, it's a long shot, man. I'm not not going to stand here or sit here on the the phone to you and pretend that, um, you know, this bill is going to pass the parliament 100%. But I can't just stand back and do nothing you know yeah. like I, I need to do something here well george i'm i'm you know gratified that you've done that and, and pleased as i'm sure all of our audience is and um you know you kindly launched my book last year and yep. i um in the chapter i wrote on abortion uh, referenced the the amazing work that Nick Goran and Dr. Mark Robinson have done, who, who've really been running the ball up on this issue. Um, I think you you saw that and you said on the night uh, that you would uh, look to have legislation drafted and, um, you know, six or eight months later, you've, you've done just that. And, um, you know, I, I thank you for, for doing that. And I know our audience well, does as well. You, you, your book was um, a bit of a catalyst for spurring me on here. It's taken a long time because I've had to get the research done by the Parliamentary Library and uh, uh, the painstaking work of, of um, trying to get the right sort of legislative uh, framework in place. But um, thank you for your book, uh, I Kid You Not, which is a great read <laughs> if people want to read it, uh, is the plug. But, uh, thank you. you know, it did spur, it did spur me on to... Um, to uh, draft this legislation. So uh, thank you. Uh, no, well, well we, we thank you. And I read the bill uh, over the weekend. Um, and, you know, to see uh, legislation put forward logically, referencing these human rights conventions and, and uh, to see that come forward and, and someone with the courage to take it forward is, is just wonderful. Uh, what's the process from here, George? Um, you, you mentioned you've, you've notified the Health Minister, the Prime Minister, the, the Deputy Prime Minister. Um, it'd be great if it was a government bill. Um, you know, yep. good on you for pushing that. Um, so so who, who makes those decisions as to whether it becomes a government bill or whether it's a private member's bill or whether they just say, sorry, George, go away, we're not going to give it any parliamentary airtime? Yeah, look, a combination of cabinet and also the backbench uh, uh, government um, policy committees. And so I've also written to the, uh, in addition to the ministers you named, the Attorney General, who would have oversight over this as well. And I've written to the uh, chairman of the um, uh, government backbench policy committees for uh, legal affairs and also for health um, to seek their support. Um, Look, uh, I've given them until the 15th of March. It's not like, you know, uh, do it by then or else. I I just need to have a a, a finite time on this. I know whether or not. Exactly. So I think think that's enough to uh, give them. And if they sort of say, look, we might consider it as a private member's bill that could get a conscience vote, well, we'll go forward with that. But if they respond with, no, we're not doing it, or they don't respond at all, I'll introduce it into the parliament, and I'll introduce it uh, probably towards the end of March. Right. Um, so, so you have the right as a member of parliament, uh, if, if for whatever reason the party mechanisms, you know, don't, you know, give you the... the, the carriage or the pathway that you'd like to, you have the Absolutely. right as a member of parliament to stand up and say, this is a bill that I'm introducing and, and to do that. And, and then it rises or falls based on the numbers in the parliament. Well, unfortunately, it is a little bit uh, uh, more lacklustre than, than, than that, actually. I'll get the right to introduce the bill. 
But in order for that bill to proceed any further, uh, would need government support. So that's why it's critical. But at least the bill's there, lying on the table, and uh, we can keep up the pressure to say, hey, what about this bill? What about this bill? So I'll introduce to the parliament and look, you know, if I, uh, if it's not, uh, if nothing's done with it, um, I'll bring it up in the next parliament as well Good if I'm you. still there. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we'll just keep on running. So, so George, what has been, um, you, you, you I, I saw this because I received a media release uh, last Friday um, and so presumably if your office has sent that out to uh, a substantial media list, uh, it's up on your website. This is very, very public. This is an issue that is hotly contested by uh, the left of politics um, and some on the libertarian right. Um, yep. it, it's a hot button issue in Australian politics, always has been. Um, in my Googling up until just before coming on air, uh, I haven't seen any coverage at all of it. It's like it's being ignored and suppressed. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know that it has been, because um, I'll tell you why, is that I made a, a, a deliberate decision, actually, when promoting this initially, to promote it with the Christian media. And why did I do that? Because we know once you throw this sort of stuff out to the mainstream media, they tear it apart. So I want the friends of this action to know about it first and to have their reactions out there. And, um, you know, there's been a few different organisations that have published it. Vision FM are going to run something on it uh, soon. But we are going to throw it out to the, the media at large. I think some of them have picked it up off my Facebook. I'm wanting to do no, interviews that, tomorrow anyway. Yeah, good. Um, but, but this week I'm going to be speaking about it in Parliament um, in an opportunity I've got. Okay, and when, when, when is that, George? When, when are you speaking uh, in Parliament? Uh, I'm going to be speaking on this matter, I think, on on Thursday, actually. Thursday, okay. uh, Thursday yeah, of, of this week. So, do you, do you uh, know roughly what time of the day if people want to tune in and, and join the live? There's a live broadcast people can jump into well, on the Parliament's website. To- yeah, look, I think the opportunity is going to be in the Federation Chamber. So yeah, I'm not well, it's, sure it's broadcast. That's, um, no, it is. Um, I mean, I'm a regular on the parliamentary website go. and you can click uh, <laughs> onto the main chamber um, or the Federation Chamber. So that's where you'll be speaking. That, so yeah. This Thursday, probably around 12.40, 12.45 Canberra time, uh, I will be speaking on, uh, on this bill. I won't be introducing this bill, but I'll be talking about the problem and this bill as the solution. Fantastic. Well, I'll try and get some clips of your speech up uh, for next week's uh, Lyle Shelton Show. Um, George, well, well, that's you know, it's interesting um, tactic, obviously going to the, the friendly media, the pro-life community, but uh, nonetheless, the mainstream media do know about this. I know they watch your Twitter feed, and oh, you're not on Twitter anymore. You should be, uh, but your Facebook uh, has a lot of traction, um, so they know about it. Well, um, they may not know about it because they all got kicked off it, didn't they? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's that's true, uh, and, and sure this is interesting. I mean, I blogged about your. Um, your bill over the weekend and put it on my Facebook page, and, and that's all being suppressed by by Mark Zuckerberg. So um, this is, you know, I know that's a whole other issue, but but just getting the news of this out is is quite a challenge at the moment. Yeah, well, you know, we find that uh, I don't have a dog in the fight of big tech versus big uh, big um, mainstream media in Australia, but uh, you know, the um, we do find both entities are just wanting to. Uh, cancel conservatives, you know, and particularly on this issue. Look, I have no doubt when this is picked up by 
you know, the Guardians and the Fairfax Mail, the nine newspapers, and um, you know, even sadly the Australian, like it's mm. going to be written about in a negative light. Yeah, um, we just got to we just got to put up with that. Um, but what could be negative about politics? rendering medical care what to a baby who right. survives a botched abortion? I mean, this is how this is how insidious it is. This whole this issue in itself and how toxic it is. I mean, you're doing something. Okay, you know, what, what, you and I are pro-life, but millions of Australians are. Uh, but you know, something that is an abhorrent thing that we know is going on on the edges of the abortion industry and you're seeking to address that and, and you're bracing for an onslaught from the mainstream media who will be trying to protect this grisly practice. I mean, um, Australia really is in, in a terrible place. Um, I agree. I agree. It's yeah. uh, very sad. And they, they um, you know, whatever side of the abortion debate you fall on, and I know both you and I fall firmly on the side of, you know, we need to protect life inside the womb. But once the life is outside the womb, there is no disputing under any sort of framework, uh, unless you're someone like Peter Singer, you know, that believes in, uh, you know, uh, infanticide, basically. Uh, You know, there is hardly anyone on the same sort of political spectrum that would deny that that child born, regardless of the fact it was born as a result of a botched abortion, is actually a life. And so if you recognise it's a life, then you must say, well, you need to do something to save that life. Um, Well, well, George, I'm sure I I don't remember whether... um when uh, Gianna Jessen uh, visited Australia, whether you were in the parliament then, um, and I I think I I brought Gianna to meet you as I did to 20 other parliamentarians, but she was a survivor of a botched abortion in in America. It was a botched saline abortion, and the abortionist happened not to be there when she was delivered, uh, supposedly to be aborted, and a nurse um, called the ambulance, and, and she's alive today. And, and um, yeah, I had the privilege of taking her to see over 20 senators and MPs uh, about 10 years ago, but, of course, not even that moved the hearts of our parliament, unfortunately. So, so this, this is – we're not talking about hypotheticals here. We're talking about real people. I've met Melissa Oden, another one from America, who, who also has visited our country advocating for human rights for the unborn, and yet um, hearts are very hard when it comes to this issue. Yeah, uh, they certainly are. I think um, people are just extremely polarised about it. And, uh, you know, if it's got anything to do with abortion, we'll just take one side or the other. And I'd say to anyone that's sort of pro-abortion, actually look at what this bill is trying to do. Uh, it's got nothing to do with stopping a, a woman wanting to procure an abortion. It's got nothing to do with stopping doctors from actually undertaking that abortion. What it does is it puts an obligation, a legal obligation, on a doctor to pro- or, or any medical practitioner that's undertaking an abortion uh, or that is present during an abortion to actually provide that life-sustaining treatment to a human being, a fragile human being. That's what it's asking. Well, that's right, and that's entirely logical, but, of course, that logic has to be extrapolated because logic always does and uh, it's telling our society that really we're doing something that we shouldn't really be doing and, and I think that's why it's going to be so fiercely uh, opposed. Um, I'd encourage people to, to watch out, uh, watch the media coverage of, um, of what you're doing in the parliament over these next few days. George, that's uh, all we have time for today, but I really want to thank you for your courage and, and obviously you. we acknowledge the courage of Nick Goran and Mark Robinson 
and um, I think it's terrific that we're seeing some positive steps forward. Well, before I go, can I quickly just say mm. if people want to support the bill, oh, yes, the I've website. got a website up, mm. georgechristensen.com.au backslash born alive, all one word, B-O-R-N-A-L-I-V-E. And we'll put that link on the screen and uh, really encourage, I've gone and signed up to it. Uh, I'd encourage everyone to do that. Uh, it's so important that George has our support there. George Christensen, thank you so much for being with us today on the Lyle Shelton Show. Thanks, Lyle. Well, thanks very much for your company today on The Good Source and uh, The Lyle Shelton Show. Uh, it's been a pro-life special. Um, it's been extraordinary seeing what is actually starting to happen. Despite what seemed to be uh, defeat after defeat, we're actually seeing uh, a fight back. And you've seen that tonight through the incredible work of Christopher Brohair and the Coalition of Pro-Life Organisations there in South Australia. Real progress is being made because the other side has overreached. And of course, the heroic George Christensen, what a treat and a privilege to have him on the show. And we'll keep you up to date with the developments of his bill. And we'll bring you some clips uh, next week from his speech in Parliament. Well, thanks again for your company. If um, you're in South Australia, I'll be in Adelaide uh, next week uh, launching my book, uh, I kid you not, Notes from 20 Years in the Trenches of the Culture War, and the Liberal Senator Alex Antich has kindly agreed to do the honours on that night, and uh, we'll be encouraging people to engage the political process as a result of uh, the talks that we'll be giving that night. Already 100 people have registered, so if you'd like to come, shoot me an email at Lyle shelton.com.au uh, sorry lyle at lyleshelton.com.au and i'll make sure you get an invitation to uh, that event well thanks again um, i look forward to seeing as many of you as possible at this week's uh, church and state summit with uh, dave pellow and uh, i'm sure people can register for last minute tickets or for the online um, version of the conference there at church and state uh, just google church and state and we'll put that up on the screen thanks a lot Thanks for being with us. Good night and God bless. The Lyle Shelton Show is a production of The Good Source, hosted by Lyle Shelton. To watch, listen to, or read more content without the SJW PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news. Good, S-A-U-C-E dot news. Become a Good Source supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings, including the conversations before and after the show.